Welcome to Ghostly. Is Hull House haunted? As always, we're your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. Today we have a special guest with us. It's our Chicago person, Mondo. Hello. How's it going? Not too bad. You got anything going on? No. No. <laughs> you just were telling us how busy you are. That's just work. <laughs> what about with the tunes coming out on iTunes? Uh, things have been a little slow that way. When okay. I get busy at work, it's a little harder for it's me It's hard to... to be creative then. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're creative in your job. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Mondo's here. This is so exciting. Yeah, we haven't Mondo's had you here, here for a little while. Yeah. The, the, the listeners are going to be very happy. They are definitely going to be happy. Yes. Today, uh, we are going to be talking about Whole House. And Whole House has a lot of history and a lot of legends. And all three of us visited last year, and we all agreed that this would make a great episode. So we've been waiting. Yes. And the reason why we're releasing this episode now mm-hmm. is because December 10th is Jane Addams Day. Yep. Oh. Jane Addams is synonymous with Whole House. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so is the devil baby, but we'll talk about that soon. Right. Yes, definitely. Uh, did you uh, have any uh, song for us this time, Mondo? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of songs, I guess, that could be done for. <laughs> there's a lot of songs. Well, we'll, right? let, we'll let you prepare. I was just going to say, think about it. And if it strikes you at any moment, just You just, you just hit us out. up with it. Okay. <laughs> Whole house. In the middle of you, I see whole house <laughs> down the street from a good Italian beef. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Italian beef place? Yeah. Uh, well, there's L's. That's around. Oh, okay. It's yeah, yeah, right yeah. down the street on Taylor. And then Taylor. Uh, actually, and then there's Manny's beef. That's not far. That's just to the east of there. What's that's the name of the Orange? Italian ice place on Taylor? Oh no! <laughs> what you know everything? You're our man in Chicago. I know. I'm. I always wait in the car and you know. <laughs> and, my wife or my son go because there's because there's long lines there. Yeah. Oh, I so, see. Hmm. Yeah. This is a an interesting. It's the Italian the uh, Italian ice place across from El's Beef. It is. Yeah. yeah. Like Danny's or something. That's it. Danny's. Is yes. it really? Hmm? How did I know that? <laughs> and why have I never been there? Oh, to any of these? Because it's too good. Oh, I see. Yeah, you might become an addict then. Mm, I see. The line is too long. It is long. It is really long, <laughs> especially on a hot summer day. Well, then let's not go on a hot summer day. Speaking of hot summer days, I think we have some listener mail, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great transition. Thank you. Thank uh, you. No, this is this is hot off the presses. Listener yes. mail. This is amazing. Like fifteen minutes ago. Like fifteen minutes ago, listener mail. Uh, all about our previous episode on the clown motel. So. Uh, this is really exciting. I had something else planned for listener mail, but we will save that for some other week because we've got uh, an anonymous. Ooh. A request to be anonymous listener mail. Wow. For, yeah. All right. So you guys ready? I definitely am ready. Okay. Mondo, you haven't heard this. so No. Okay. But, but you did hear the, the Clown Motel episode, right? I did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mondo does his homework. He does, yeah. He doesn't come unprepared. No. He's always prepared. Okay. All right. I listen to every episode <laughs> twice. Twice? Is that why our numbers are so good? <laughs> we have at least two downloads per episode then, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's the message. In regards to the Clown Motel, I've been staying there since it was $31 a night. Whoa, wait, hold on. $31 a night? I know. I wow. know. So uh, a couple of things 
Um, but please keep this anonymous. Okay. Uh, so Perchetti was not a doting motel owner. He's a slumlord who owns a lot of the town and used poor people to do maintenance, which is why screws holding in laminate flooring are, are baseboards, etc. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's stop for a second. So screws holding in laminate, is that bad? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's where you get squeaks and all that. But, oh, okay. No, buckling oh. and things like that. Laminate oh. floors are supposed to float. You know, they just click together, yeah, but there's yeah. actually nothing that's holding them down. So if you take a screw and then you screw it down, then it mm. it, it can't, con- uh, wood naturally expands, contracts, mm. but yeah, it'll buckle. Oh, yeah. that's and, interesting. And squeak. And, yes. and squeak. Interesting. Now, hmm. uh, this is not the current owner. I just want to emphasize yeah. that that he's talking about. So yes. no, we were talking not. about how the current owner seems really cool and is updating a lot of stuff. So I don't want to... Go and, to the, it's okay to go. <laughs> and this person has a relationship with Tonopah as well. Right. So this person would know. This right. This person. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I skipped this. Uh, please you keep this anonymous because I do work in Tonopah at, at times, he says. Yeah. Okay. Um, the clowns were out there just as a kitsch, kitsch it opened. Oh, oh, as kitsch it opened when theme motels were big and kids would want to stop there. Finally, mm. it's not haunted. The maintenance crews for years walk the property nonstop. So those footsteps, maintenance, knocks, you hear three three doors down. You hear a I've, mine, I've actually heard three doors hear down traffic. before. <laughs> you ever heard three doors down? Yeah. I yeah, they're pretty good. They yeah. are pretty good. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, the, ha- the cemetery haunted perhaps... Little known fact is that's not the full cemetery. The map was read wrong. So where the fence is, it's just a portion of the bodies. That downhill slope up under the abandoned barn structure, up the hill, all bodies. They are going to leave there because the cost to relocate and name is too much. Or sorry, to locate and name is too much. Uh, Finally, Prochetti will tell you, or at least told me, the clowns never moved. And the lady in red is at the Mitzpah, a hotel and not a school, and was a prostitute chained to a radiator, I believe the story goes. Wow. Whoa, so that's a correction there at the end. Um, but yeah, so he uh, basically is saying that the previous owner is like, not haunted. Wow, I wish we would have had this for the episode and might have <laughs> won the polls then. <laughs> well, I guess it is time for the polls. Oh, no, we don't We don't need to do the polls anymore. No, we always have to do the polls. I mean, I, I think that's kind of an outdated thing that we do on the podcast, and I think maybe I we should... Think we sh- you think, I think we should do the polls. Mondo, what do you think? Uh, you have to do the polls, and it just has to happen. I'm sorry. We know how this is going to end for you. man. It's like a Band-Aid ripping off. Okay. Just do it, right? right, Okay. Okay. So here we go. In the latest episode, we talked about the Clown Motel. Yeah. And the polls were really close all week. I mean, people were like lobbying online, like, you got to vote for blah, blah, blah. Like, it was really, really close. There were people lobbying for you? No. No. Actually. What? They were lobbying for you. For me? Yes. What? They were like, Pat's right. We got to give Pat the win. Wait, wait what? I know. They're like, this is obviously just a a, a a gimmick to get people to come to the motel. There's no way it's haunted. People are very, very supportive. Wow. Um. So even your believers, uh, even some people that are typically believers, were saying, "Wow." So in the end, in the end, it was a one vote difference. Mondo, did you vote? 
I did not. Oh, I always do, but at this time, I, I, I just didn't. What would what uh, would you have voted? I actually would have voted for you. For who? <laughs> for, I would have voted for the uh, that the that the place is not haunted. Oh, really? Yeah. I would oh, if I lost by one vote, man, I'm going to be so upset with you. That's uh, it. Now let's just be careful, okay? <laughs> I don't. I want to step away from the like. It's voting for Pat versus Rebecca. There you go. Yeah. Because, oh. you know, there are, hey, I mean, there might be times when Pat thinks, like, no, it's totally haunted. I mean, that could happen. No. Yeah, I'm sorry if I if I said it that way. I didn't <laughs> mean like I'm vote. I just meant for the I non-believer understand. side. The side that he's on. Yeah. Yes, I, I understand. Yeah. But I just want to say that. Uh, okay, okay. So in the end, it was <gasps> 51 to 49. Oh. So close. No. No, what? The no's won. What? Yeah. I won? Yes. I won? Yes, you won. Well, Whoa. again, the no's won. That's the me. No- I'm a no. <laughs> I'm the king of the no's. <laughs> I-, I won. Yes. See, I told you we need to do the polls every single episode. Uh-huh. They're yeah, you've very been important. saying that they're rigged. <laughs> you've been saying that that's f- wow. <laughs> they're fake. Where's the confetti? <laughs> I'm waiting for. <laughs> so let the record show from now on. No matter who wins the poll, they are valid because y- I do not always win. Well, the yeses I mean, do not always win. I mean, minions are definitely a lot better than. Uh, that's not Elsa, right? No, that's, that's the other, her sister, uh, Aunt, uh, Anna. Anna, played yeah. by Chris, Kristen, Kristen Bell, Bell, who's one of my favorites. And of course, Anna but is amazing. Minions, minions are cool. Whatever. Anna's awesome. I mean, look at the minions. He even has a hat on. He has hair. Oh, he has hair on. <laughs> and he has like a shaw or something like that on, too. Uh, I don't or like know. A He's scarf. performing. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so, is, uh, so is Anna. So, anyways, okay. All right. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. There's a lot of talk about the Clown Motel again. Yes. And I really enjoyed doing that episode. It was one of our shorter episodes because mm-hmm. there wasn't much history. Right. It was a, one of the newer things that we've done. It was yeah. built in like the 80s, right? 85. Yeah. 85. So yeah. today, we're, that's not going to be the case. No. Today is going to be a longer episode. So I hope you guys all have your Pop-Tarts and your Dr. Pepper ready. <laughs> <laughs> I do or neither your, of those or, things. <laughs> or your Christmas cookies. Your Christmas yeah. cookies. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. The most ghostliest time of the year. Yes, definitely. <laughs> you ready to tell us the ghost story about Hull House? Ooh, yes. Okay, you guys ready? Yes. All oh, right. We're not allowed to talk during her during her ghost story. She, I'm listening. No, she makes sure the mood. that when she tells her make-believe story that we are not allowed to talk because it sets the mood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. I, you don't have to tell me twice. All right. Yeah, you're the only one that's weirded out by that. (laughs) Okay. You and your friend have a mission. Find a house suitable to house your idea to serve the community and help bring people together and improve the lives of women and children in the neighborhood. So you show up to a place you're pretty sure is going to be the one. The agent gives you a tour of the downstairs and it's amazing. This large property has many rooms that will work really well for the services you envision. But the agent balks at showing you the upstairs. You question her, how can you know if this property will work for you if you can't even see half of it? Eventually, she relents and takes you upstairs. Everything looks beautiful, except there's just one weird thing. There's a pitcher of water sitting in front of the door to the attic. 
When you question the agent, she tries to laugh it off and direct your attention elsewhere, but you just can't let it go. It's so odd. The agent finally relents and tells you, the previous tenants claim that the spirit of a woman haunts the attic and she would come downstairs and be seen wandering around. So they put the water out in the belief that spirits could not pass over running water. You all laugh at this silliness. But after leaving, you start to wonder why the agent was so nervous about showing you the upstairs and why didn't she just remove the picture? Hmm. So this is like a secondhand ghost story coming like this is you're you're envisioning Jane Adams in this story. I, I am. Yeah. And so Jane Adams is talking to the agent, the real estate agent ish kind of person. Mm-hmm. And that person has a ghost story. So it's coming from that person to Jane Adams to okay. And this is a real <laughs> this is based on again a real thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Wow. So well, we'll, uh, we'll learn more about it later. Yeah. So we have a lot of history coming up. So mm. maybe we should take a quick break first. I like it. And then we will come back to the history. Sounds good. Hey, True Believers, it's Dr. David Hickney. That's right. I'm a legit PhD. Anyway, there's still a butt ton of truth out there. So we're coming back for season three. It starts February 28th, 2020. 2020 is a leap year, so February has a 29th day. We don't dare post on that day because, as you know, leap day is the Spode's once quadrennial laundry day. It gets messy. Anywho, Freak of the Week Season 3, February 28th. Elizabeth will be there, too. So we're back, and now we're going to talk about the history of Hull House. Hull House, its its history is really, really great. I mean, a lot of great things happened in that building. Yeah, and we're not just talking about Hull House as the charity. No, you're we're talking going, about you're the going building. Back. Yeah, we're talking about the building and everything that happened in that building. Um, although Hull House, when it became more, when it became a settlement, was up to thirteen buildings. Um, but we're talking about specifically the um, Charles Hull's mansion. Which is the place that we saw yes, last it is, year. It's the okay. only place still standing. Gotcha. So Hull House was one of America's most famous settlement houses. The people that owned Hull House were some of the most amazing and philanthrop- phil- philanthropic, philanthropic. philanthropic people in Chicago's history. This is more of a history of three people than a house. So we have Charles J. Hall, we have Helen Culver, and we have Jane Adams. So we're going to start the story with Charles J. Hall, as we should. Uh, he, he was born in 1820 and died in 1889. And I couldn't find much about the original owner and name giver of Hull House, but I found his obituary and thought it summed up a good man's life and thought I'd read it here. If that's okay with you guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like that we have some kind of primary source material for yes. this episode. It's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to state, though, that this was written in a very different time. This was written in 1889. And the language m- 
may now be kind of offensive in some areas. Yes. But I think the intent of the writer was not to be offensive. It was to uh, show that he helped many people in his life, though. To show that Charles helped many yes. people. Gotcha. Yeah, not the writer. Yeah. The writer might have. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Char- uh, C.J. Hall is dead. That's the start of the obituary. <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> uh, the well-known Chicago millionaire dies at Houston, Texas. The remains of Charles J. Hull, who died at Houston, Texas, Tuesday, are en route to Chicago and are expected to arrive about Friday noon. I like how it's like about. <laughs> they don't know for sure, but right. about. Yeah. A cousin of the deceased, Miss Helen Culver, has gone to meet and return with the body, and to her are left the arrangements for the funeral and burial. Charles J. Hull had for the last 40 years been prominently identified with business interest of Chicago. He was born in the little village of Manchester, Connecticut in 1890. 1820. 1820, I'm sorry. It's an old newspaper clipping, so it's hard to read. Uh, There was nothing... There was nothing in the poor and lowly surroundings of his youth calculated to stimulate the ambition which, even at an early age, he began to inspire him. While yet a a boy, his father died, and he went to live with his grandfather, who was a proprietor of a small hotel in central uh, New York. Here he acquired an education such as the common schools of that day could give, when about 20 years of age, he, he taught in a district school, and in 1846, he came to Chicago and studied law. Subsequently, he entered the law department of Harvard, from which he graduated. So he's a Harvard graduate. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he again returned to Chicago because he loved Chicago and uh, practiced law and engaged in real estate business. It was to the latter that he that he paid the most attention and was one of the first to inaugurate the now general system of subdividing and platting suburban properties and selling into installment selling them into installment plans. He was successful in this work and in a few years accumulated considerable wealth. But he with many others suffered in the financial crash of 1857. There's always financial crises in in every lifetime, it seems. I get, yeah. Um, when when the panic was over, he was one million dollars in debt. Wow! In 1857, yeah, it's like a billion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, this guy. I mean, think a millionaire at the time. Yeah, crazy. It's just insane. Um, but he lived to see the day when every penny of it was repaid. So he didn't just file bankruptcy or something like that. He he repaid it. Wow. Uh, after the war, he went to Savannah when he introduced his idea of providing the working class and Negroes with homes on the installment plan. It, so that's cool. So he, basically the idea of you don't have to have all the money up front. Yeah. Which, I mean, in those days, being poor was a death sentence. Mm. You would die of poor. Yeah. 
Well, I think it still is sometimes. But no, but there is like welfare and stuff like that. It wasn't things. Jane Adams was yeah. one of the people that started that system going. Yeah. Where the poor didn't it wasn't a death sentence necessarily. It right. was just something to overcome. Yeah. But like to help people to to be able to be property owners and yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. So it it proved a success there as it did afterwards in Baltimore, Jacksonville, Florida, Houston, Texas, Lincoln, Blair, and Ashland, Nebraska, and Cairo, Illinois, where he put the plan into execution. In a letter from Savannah to a friend, he said, Our enterprise is not a land speculation. We are endeavoring to distribute the land adjoining certain large cities among the poor. If I succeed in carrying out our ideas, to its legitimate results, the question of what is to be done with the pauper, the outcast, and the criminal will be solved. Hmm. So Mr. Hull was a man of indefatigable energy, but he did not cultivate these qualities to the detriment of others higher. He was a philanthropist. He was one of the founders and the first president of the Washingtonian Home a trustee of and a liberal donator to the University of Chicago, an active worker in the cause of prohibition. The convicts of the Baltimore Penitentiary remember him not alone for his many acts of of benevolence, but for his weekly Sunday visits and talks. For years, every Sunday, he gave a talk to the inmates of of the Bridewell in Chicago, and he devoted much time to the question of prison reform. He was ever active, and just prior to his departure for Texas upon business, he boasted of having never taken a play day in 40 years. I take plenty of play days. (laughs) He leaves no immediate relatives. His wife died some 30 years ago. That might come up later. (laughs) uh, 30 years ago, and his three children since that time. His wealth is estimated to be between $4 $4 million and $5 million in 1889. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah, more people need to be like Charles Hull. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. I mean, how much he traveled to. I mean, he he didn't just... It's a I, so this I this is amazing because I think we always think of Hull House. We all think of Jane Addams and we're going to talk about her and all the amazing things she did. Yes. But we don't realize that she chose or things were named after this man. It's not like whole house. I I always thought it just meant some, like it had a a meaning that had to do with like helping the poor or something that I just didn't know. I didn't realize it was named after a person. Yeah. Uh, And so this is so great to learn about an amazing human. I mean, think of all the things that he did in that, in that house, all the decisions that he made to help the poor. Mm -hmm. And then to think about, you know, Helen Culver came after him, which also was a philanthropist, we're going to find out. And then Jane Adams. Mm-hmm. I mean, this house sim- is symbolic of good. Right? Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah. And the name Hull yeah. House is a, should be synonymous with good. Absolutely. So the building, it's at 800 South Halstead Street in 1856. So the way that this was written, I got this from the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if the address has changed. Oh, I don't know. So I don't don't remember exactly what it is, but it says in 1856. So it made <laughs> me think that either that or it was just talking about because it was built in 1856. The building was located in what had once been a fashionable part of town. 
So uh, 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 the picture I took when we got there, the address says 800 South Halstead. Okay, so it just has to do with the idea that it was built at that time. Uh, In 1889, when Charles Hull died, it was not located in the best of areas. So um, it was partly due to the rapid and overwhelming influx of immigrants into the near West Side neighborhood. Um, So we were talking before the show, me and Mondo were talking before the show, and this this was a couple blocks north of Maxwell Street, right? Correct. So I remember Maxwell Street growing up. It definitely was not one of the best neighborhoods. No. But I felt safe there for some reason. You ever go get a Maxwell Street Polish at like three in the morning and you feel safe? No. No. No? What? Yeah. I, I I got a Polish at that time and yeah, I did not feel safe. I had somebody asking if I wanted to buy uh, hubcaps and tires. Did you buy the hubcaps um, no. and tires? No, I got my got my food and got I, out of I'm there. I'm not sure where the hubcaps and tires came <laughs> from. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, um, interesting story about that area is my mother was driving home from a job on the north side and she was coming home at about three in the morning. And what they would do is they would take pieces of tires. The people oh. that, I mean, that, that, that whole area for people that aren't from Chicago have to understand it was, you know, just a, a real bad area. There were, um, people living in shacks. I mean, this is yeah. 20 years ago and mm-hmm. people lived in shacks out there along Halsted Street. But also when people are talking about like Chicago blues, yeah, that's where it started. Maxwell yeah. Street. Right. Yeah. Well, what they did is they put a bunch of nails in a piece of tire and they threw oh. it out there and my mother got a flat at between three and four in the morning. <gasps> oh my and God. That, and she just stayed in her car and she said the the car directly behind her happened to be a tow truck. Right, you would oh, think like, oh, wow. how convenient! Uh-huh. It actually was. Mm. Oh, wow! The guy lived a, a block away from us, and he said, "Lady, I got to get you out of here." Wow! Hooked her up and took her away. Oh, thank wow. goodness! Brought her home. Wow! I don't know. I always felt safe because of you know people bartering and stuff like that over the prices and stuff. I I don't know. I just like. It was a predominantly black neighborhood, and I felt safe as a white guy just standing in this neighborhood. It was really weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I I never had any issues where somebody bothered me or anything like that. It's just, you know, it just, the rest of the city was kind of uh, cleaning up, and it just seemed like a forgotten area at the time. But you had mentioned people living in shacks, and that yeah. is exactly the kind of area that Jane Adams wanted to go into. True. Now, you guys are talking uh, in the past tense that it was this, it was that. Uh, How would you describe this area today? Fine. It's beautiful. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing what it looks like now. I mean, there's (laughs) townhomes, all the high-end restaurants. It's it's nightlife, and you would never suspect that that... But that's very anti-Jane Adams, though, I would Mm. say. I mean, Jane Adams didn't want to keep bad neighborhoods bad neighborhoods, but she wanted... All of us to meld together into one, right? The Not poor push and out. the yeah. Well, on the plus side, it, it it's just there are a lot of student dorms there. There also, is, yeah. so I think it's UIC. It, yeah, yeah, UIC is where Whole House is, which is two blocks north of Maxwell Street. Yeah, um, UIC the, moved Maxwell Street. Right, the house of I mean, the home of Chicago Blues, the home of. Getting a good deal on a hubcap. <laughs> yeah. If you would have bought those hubcaps, man, you would have loved them. 
I probably I... just would have bought the hubcap so that the guy would leave me alone. <laughs> Maybe hang him on the wall as a memento. <laughs> Don't go out at three in the morning. <laughs> just a reminder. But those Polish sausage, man, they were good. They're very good. Yeah. They're worth it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I will say, uh, yeah, UIC is expanding a lot. It's uh, it's it's grown a lot. They, they're building a lot yeah. uh, in that area. So. Yeah. so Charles Hull gave the house to his cousin mentioned in his obituary, Helen Culver. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Helen Culver, too. Helen, Cul- Helen Culver was living in DeKalb, Illinois. Not too far from us. No, and we have at least one listener that lives in that area, too. Yes, that some of our... Listeners may be familiar with, but we're not going to name names. Yeah, we can't name names because no. we don't want you know people to go to DeKalb looking for him. <laughs> hmm. In 1853, she started a private school in Sycamore, Illinois, in an abandoned schoolhouse and taught at the Dow Academy. I like how she took over an abandoned schoolhouse and was like, nope, this is still a schoolhouse. Yep. Hmm. It's not abandoned. In 1854, she moved to Chicago and served as a teacher and principal in various Chicago schools. And when Charles Hull's wife died, Helen Culver and Charles Hull became closer. Mm. Helen eventually started teaching Charles Hull's children as well. So she was like a private teacher for his children. Mm. She was a nurse during the Civil War. She started working with her cousin Charles Hull in 1868 and continued until she died. So she became an official employee of his in 1868. Gotcha. Even though she worked with him before that. She inherited not just Hull House, but Charles Hull's business after his death. So that $4 million, $5 million, <laughs> she inherited at least the lion's share of that. Wow. Uh, she was a philanthropist as well and donated Hull House to Jane Addams as well as much as well as much needed startup money. And at first, she just rented Hull House to Jane Addams for no money and then eventually gave her the house. Wow. Helen Culver died in 1925. Wow. And again, that kind of goes with Charles Hull's um, plan, it sounds like, where um, he was all about, you know, trying to help people get to a place where they could own something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. So it just kind of carried out that mission. Yeah. So, uh, you know what, Rebecca? Why don't you do the Jane Addams portion? Because I know you're a huge Jane Addams fan. I, I am. I You know, I... In doing my research for this episode, I this is one of the few times I felt sad that we only have this two weeks to do our research. Like I, I really wish that I've, I I need to go find a book. <laughs> I need to find she, a Jane Addams. She's book. an author, so she she wrote actually about the whole house. Oh well, that would be even she better. Wrote Twenty years. Uh, it's like I think it's called Twenty Years of the Whole House or oh, something wow. like that. Yeah. That and a biography, and I just need to read a lot more about her because there's just yeah. so much more to her than even just Hull House. She's I didn't a fascinating realize. woman, very fascinating, and definitely um, was part of the suffrage movement. Yeah, we're gonna get to a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, what's the name of the book? Twenty years. I don't know. I'm. Oh, I, that's me just trying to remember of the countless things that I've seen in research. Okay, but Jane Adams wrote a book about Hull House. Twenty years, of- and it had to do with twenty years of Hull House. I don't know if that's the exact title. The good, the bad, and the baby. <laughs> it's yeah, twenty years of Hull House by Jane Adams. Wow, look at that, man! Yeah. My memory's mm. good today. This is this is going on my list for the holidays. Okay. All right, 
All right. So this is definitely a high, high level overview. Her life. Fascinating. Again, all we can do is just mention some of the highlights and hope uh, that inspires all of us to to learn more about her. Yeah. Yeah. So fascinating. So she was born in uh, and was buried in Cedarville, Illinois, which I don't know where that is. Does anybody know? I meant to look that up. I do. It's West. Okay. Yeah. It's it's um, one one county from uh, Iowa. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's over there then. It's Northwest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That works. Um, and she was many things in her in her life. Um, she was a settlement activist. Obviously, we will learn more about that. She was a reformer, a social worker, a peace advocate, uh, an sociologist, a public administrator. As you mentioned, an author, yeah, actually, a suffragette. As far as social workers go, she is sometimes known as the first social worker. I could absolutely see that. Yeah. I could absolutely see that. You know, we have a lot of uh, students, um, school I work at, and the college I work uh-huh. at, where um, they're just, I just want to help people. I just want to help people. And, you know, social work, public advocacy, so sociology, those are all great fields to go into yeah. if that's what you're interested Definitely. in. Definitely. So, uh, all right. So she was born on September 6th, 1860. She was the youngest of eight children. By the time she was eight, four of her siblings and her mother had passed. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, again, back then this was, you know, it was just, yeah. You had a lot of kids because they didn't always all make it. So, mm. um she actually herself had tuberculosis of the spine. It's called Pott's disease. Yeah, that... not not to be confused with regular tuberculosis. Because I've right. heard I've heard people in uh, a couple of YouTube videos that I watched about her talk about that she had tuberculosis. It was not the same thing. Pott's disease is a little bit different. Yeah, because this one, you know, tuberculosis you think of as coughing, and it's kind of a different thing but yeah. yeah so this was it caused her spine to curve mm-hmm. and it was just an ongoing issue for her throughout her whole life yeah any pictures you see of her you'll see her kind of you know hunched over and mm-hmm. yeah. so she had a limp and she kind of yeah. thought herself ugly especially as a child um she remembered not wanting to embarrass her father when he was dressed in his sunday best by walking down the street with him you Aww. know she kind of felt nervous about that she she idolized her father too absolutely and yeah. her father john h adams uh was one of the founding members of the republican party in mm. illinois uh and he was a state senator and so therefore friends with lincoln yeah which was kind of like the family's claim to fame is she for Jane growing up? That was a big deal. He yeah. uh, helped Lincoln get get elected. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, Lincoln was part of the founding of the Republican Party, so that was a whole big, yeah, big thing. Yeah, um, and yeah, basically, I <laughs> this fact is mentioned in everything I've read about her. Is always like, and her father was friends with Lincoln. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's like that's no one skips that point. Um, she became interested in helping the poor uh, when she read uh, Dickens, Charles Dickens. Oh, so, yeah. uh, you know, if we've read about any read any of his novels, I have. Yeah. It's always about, um, can I have, please, sir? Can I have some more? You know, so, mm. <laughs> you know, he's very um, get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but he's he's uh, famous for kind of exposing the poor in yes. London. Yes, and right. so that kind of you know, even though she didn't grow up in a city. You know, she was able to to kind of see that. Well, we um, turned a blind. We always turn a blind eye to people less fortunate than us. We walk right by them in the streets. I try to get to know the homeless people around. You know where I work and stuff. I 
I talk with them. There's uh, they they don't listen to the podcast. I don't think they don't even know about the podcast. But there's James, the homeless guy that never remembers me, thinks I carry money with me all the time. I have to tell him every day I don't carry money, James. And uh, one time um, he he asked me for a dollar, and I said I will give you the dollar if you tell me my name. And I had just introduced myself to him yes the day before that. And James was like, your name is Robert. It's like, no, it's not. Your name is James. Your name is, he counted, he, yeah, listed about 10 names and then I gave him the dollar. I was just going to say, please tell me you gave him the dollar. Yeah, but I like held it over his head a little bit. No, no, I'm just teasing. I gave him the dollar. James is cool. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Mondo, are you friends with any homeless people? Um, I have been. And that, yeah, I, yeah, I have been. (laughs) And that, uh, but they try to sell you hubcaps. (laughs) (laughs) We weren't, we weren't friends long after that conversation. (laughs) Hmm. No, Hmm. it was like the friendship is over. We were, we were very, we were on friendly terms at that time. And it was like, yeah. So nobody should ever try to sell you hubcaps. That's a sure way <laughs> to unfriend you. Is well, yeah, to, if I'm waiting in line for food, come on. Yeah, you, know? you want you want your Polish sausage. Yeah, that's all. Nothing against the yeah. Nothing against the hubcaps, but yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so unlike some of us, uh, as a child, uh, Jane Adams wanted to be a doctor so she could work with the poor. Like I have to wow. say, I was not that altruistic as a child. <laughs> uh, as an adult, I've I've definitely changed my career path so I can uh, hopefully be of more help well, to people. But well, I wanted um, to be a saint. Oh, there yeah, you go. That's what I wanted to be when I grew well, up. Well, it's not too late. It still could happen. No, it's too late. <laughs> it's really too late. <laughs> that doesn't happen till after you're gone. You know, oh, that, so no, they could. You no, know, it's yeah. too late. You could do some amazing thing look, and look there's a reason why i'm not going for president when uh, the when the obituary uh, obituary is <laughs> written you know patrick yeah. harrington is dead <laughs> died <laughs> or died yeah. has died yeah they, they could put all kinds of nice things in there and yeah, you know they could but nobody they will ever know they won't though i'm oh. sure <laughs> oh i'm sure they will yeah. All right. Um, okay. So this is, uh, she was one of the first generation of women in America to graduate uh, from college. She graduated in the top of her class from Rockford Female Seminary uh, in 1881. Wow. Uh, so she was this new generation of college educated, independent women that historians call the new women. So it was a seminary. Isn't that for like nuns? Uh, I mean, I think that's kind of the old school term but oh, okay. I, it does, I don't think that necessarily or I, I think it may be that it was kind of a religious focus education but it was still college mm-hmm. uh, she herself uh, I didn't put this in here she herself wasn't necessarily super uber Christian okay like she was Christian in the fact that like she's Christian but like she kind of was bothered sometimes by the extreme uh. Christianity that would be out there so she kind of shied away from that but uh, and I think part of that was actually going to school there, if oh, okay. I remember correctly. Um, her father died, uh, unfortunately, when she was in her 20s of appendicitis. She inherited $50,000, oh. which was the equivalent, this is what I read, uh, of $1.3 million in today's money. Wow. So now let's backtrack a second. Yeah. If Charles Hull... That was in the billions then. $5 million, Right. Yeah. That's billions, right? Hmm. I, that's just... Wow. 
so she moved to Philadelphia with some family members and began to go to medical school, which was her dream. Um, unfortunately, she needed to have a spinal operation, you know, because she had that tuberculosis of yeah. the spine. And basically, kind of all of this, the, the stress of being in medical school, um, it just caused her to have a nervous breakdown, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like she, I think, again, father dying, family dead, you know, but also physically struggling to do the work. But also, I think for her, it was much more about she wanted to help yeah. people, not necessarily the medical part of it. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know? Anyway, so this combined with her stepmother getting ill meant that she just, she had to stop going to school, uh, medical school, and she uh, did not become a doctor, and she moved back to Cedarville. So for the next few years, she traveled on and off, um, but in 1888, she visited her friend Ellen Gates Starr in London. The pair visited Tonaby Hall, which was a settlement on the Mm. city's east end that provided much-needed services to poor industrial workers, and Adams basically vowed at that point to bring the model to the United States. Uh, And I think you had said, you had told me this, that she actually had read about settlement houses before as well. Yes. This was just her actually seeing it in action. Yeah. Um, and I and you said too she traveled to some other places as well without and, without star yeah just yeah. To, and just to see what, um, how they worked yeah so basically that's the reason why she went to um, Europe was to visit the settlement houses it was for nothing else mm-hmm. it was not like a vacation no she had planned out mm-hmm. all of these places to see and to bring this new concept to America. Yeah, this is she's like this is it. This is what I want. Yeah. And so I thought it'd be helpful to have a definition of a settlement house, which by the way, I think she again had her own kind of variation on this. Um but for her, a settlement house was a place that tried to lower the boundaries between culture, class, and education. Kind of like what you said earlier, she wanted to bring everybody together. It yeah. wasn't that she just wanted to help the poor. Right. It was more like, I, we need to all get to know each other. We need mm-hmm. to all work together. And I want to help everybody. Even, even you know, people that have money still have issues. Yeah. You know, yeah. just like everybody. And, uh, and she wanted to problems, help everybody. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So there could be a community art center and social service facilities. Again, just kind of bringing needed again, not just about like, I'm going to give you money yeah, or, you know, but it was like, I'm going to give, I'm going to have a a kinder. I'm going to start kindergartens and preschools and training for people. And, you know, and also just again, a place for us to hang out and get to know each other so that we're not strangers. Yep. You know, absolutely. Um, So they could learn from one each other, one another and seek common ground. And then go into action. Yeah. You know, because maybe then these women that have money meet these people and realize, oh, they're good people. And they then have great out. ideas, but right. they just don't have the money to facilitate these ideas. So but that's all that I have is money. I don't have great ideas. Exactly. So <laughs> I'll give together. the money to that person. And yeah. Exactly. Um, so in 1889, after Charles Hull passed, yes. uh, Adams and Ellen Gatestar co-founded Hull House. A it was in September. In Chicago in September. Yeah. The house was in need of repairs and upgrading. Jane would pay for a lot of the repairs until the people of Chicago started chipping in. So once it started to become like a bigger thing, yeah. then she started to get money for it. And as you said, also expand beyond just mm-hmm. the original house. Yeah. Um, the wealthy women of Chicago, uh, including Helen Cul- Cul- Culver, as you said, donated, but she also gave money to up the upgrading and yeah. fixing up of it. Um, the whole house was a center for research, empirical analysis. So again, that's where 
the sociology and the social mm-hmm. work comes in, it's it was science. You know, yeah. it was about getting data that you could then use to justify programs, um, study, debate, as well as a pragmatic center for living in and establishing good relations with the neighborhood. So again, people did live there. <laughs> it yeah. was it, but yet also came there on a daily basis, maybe or weekly or a monthly. Right, it was just it's kind some, of a place that some you people could just drop by. some people just brought their children there for kindergarten. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yep. Uh, the aim uh, aims of the whole house was to give privileged, educated young people contact with the real life of the majority of the population. Hmm. So I think also too, again, I mentioned the the new women, right? So there's this group of educated women that come from money and they want to do something with their life. They don't yeah. just want to like you know from you know the in europe and if you you know 100 years before it would just be about tea parties and right. you know living your fancy life well, i like finger sandwiches right exactly yeah. um but you know <laughs> <laughs> um but now not that they still didn't do that but uh they wanted to to have more meaning than that yeah. so whole house was this opportunity of like a safe space that you could go and meet people and and help people so. And thinking of the neighborhood that it was in after you know, me and Mondo were talking about the Maxwell Street, it really fits into that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I don't think it could be in a wealthy neighborhood and have the poor come into the neighborhood to to live. I think that the rich people would have you know, been upset. Right. But you go into a poor community. And have rich people move in. Yeah, they love that. They love that idea. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, because I think we don't always... So, Again, not all of them, but there actually were residents of Hull House that were well educated. Yes, you know what I mean. It wasn't just like a place for poor people to live. It and was it was a lot of immigrants everybody. too that yes. that moved there. Yeah, so they all shared a commitment to labor unions, the National Consumer League, and the suffrage movement. Yeah, so lots of work with that. Um, Star and Adams developed three ethical principles for social sentiments: to teach by example, to practice cooperation, and to practice social democracy. That is egalitarian or democratic social relations across class lines. Hull House wasn't just about helping women. It also stressed the importance of the role of children in the Americanization process for new immigrants. So uh, they had several programs for children, art, drama, kindergarten classes, boys and girls clubs, language classes, reading groups, college extension courses, uh, along with public baths, a gymnasium, a labor museum and playground, all with a free speech atmosphere. She was also an advocate for children. In 1907, Adams was a founding member of the National Child Labor Committee, which played a significant role in the passage of the federal child labor law Yeah, in 1916. Wow. Well, Mondo, I know that you were part of a union at one time, um, and you know a lot about the history of the unions, right? Yeah, they give you a book, actually. Uh, they had us read that. And uh, some of the pictures in there- Started with the Haymarket? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the Haymarket- uh, You remember the year of that? I don't know off the top of my head. Mm. I want to say 1850s something? No, 1880s. 1880s, say, yeah. Really? And uh, it also showed uh, pictures of kids standing in line waiting for their wages with no shoes on. Yeah, there was a lot of child labor uh, in Chicago, even around Maxwell Street. Oh yeah, that was that a was big a, part of it. Uh, there was a video I watched where somebody was talking about the first time that they drove down Halstead, which was Maxwell Street. You know, at that one point. And uh, saying how there was, um, you know, there was a bunch of crime and there was child labor everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. 1886. Yeah. 1886. So it was a relatively new idea then that they were, you know, that they were in support of. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
But I mean, without that, we wouldn't have vacations. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have sick pay. We eight hour have days. Eight hour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did, were any of you guys, uh, either of you, part of a boys club, like a boy or girl club, whatever? Why? I don't know. I was I involved was with that. the Y. Yeah. Yeah. The YMCA. I was in a boys club. Yeah. Was it? It was helpful to keep you on track as yeah. a kid. Yeah. I mean, it, where else can you go in the middle of winter and? You know, they had a wood shop or go swimming and, you know, things like that after school and crafts for kids. And yeah, it was fun. Mm. Yeah. I was, I was a brownie for like two years. I was a boy scout. <laughs> I never made it course. to Girl Scouts. <laughs> oh, you didn't was, sell enough cookies? Uh, I just didn't care for it. <laughs> oh, okay. it wasn't your thing. <laughs> it wasn't my thing. You didn't want to be around other people. Right? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. That's too cool for that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, all right. So a lot of the things that we, you know, enjoy today and, and I'm not saying that she started all of those, but she definitely brought a lot of them to the Chicago yeah. area. Yeah, for sure. I was just thinking of that. Could there have been a YMCA without a Jane Adams? Could know. there have been a boys and girls club without Jane Adams? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Or it wouldn't be the same that it, that it is today, right. you know, where there are safe places for children to go after school. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. That's big. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so some other things, just a, a few more. Again, she had a big life even beyond Hull House. <laughs> um, she was president of the National Conference of Charities and Corrections from 1909 to 1915, the first woman to hold that title, and became active in the women's suffrage movement as an officer in the National American Women's Suffrage Association and pro-suffrage columnist. She was also among the founders of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP. So what is the suffrage movement? Can you sum that up? Well, the suffrage movement is all about women's right to vote. Okay. And next year is going to be the 100-year anniversary of the passage of the 20th Amendment. So I'm super excited. Because like when you say like pro-suffrage, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like they're pro people suffering. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, but suffrage it's not is exactly about that. and suffrage isn't just about women voting rights. It's about all voting rights. But yeah. the suffrage movement was specifically focused on. Well, I know mostly on women. I know a lot of it was like, no, we are women. We have a different perspective on the world, and therefore we should vote. And, right, absolutely. Right. Is that we, you know, we're the we run the household, we yeah. raise the kids, and so we should have a voice in how those how things are governed. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know. I don't know why people didn't see it before, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's a whole other episode of some other podcasts that we're not on. Uh, okay. Okay, Because <laughs> we got to get to the ghosts, people. We're not at the ghosts There's yet. no ghost here. This is just, we're just talking There's about There's so stuff. many things to talk about yet. Okay. Uh, inspired by Tolstoy, Ooh. Jane, Jane Adams was a devout pacifist. Yeah. She was huge. Uh, she spoke out against World War One. Um, she did. And here's the thing about World War One that I learned. World War One was actually a lot more like Vietnam than World War Two when it comes to whether or not people agreed we should join. Well, because we they they didn't attack America. Right. Once you attack America, that was our way of getting into well, plus which we'll, by the way, um what was it? Yesterday or day before was the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the sixth, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Seventh. Seventh, sorry. Oh, seventh. seventh. Yes. Or right. the seventh. fifth or the sixth. One of those <laughs> no, no, days. Six is the armistice era anyway. yeah. I think uh, it's the seventh. It's the seventh, yeah, it is. It's, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> older people. <laughs> sorry, boomer. <laughs> um, 
But uh, no, the idea though that you know it wasn't a universal thing because World War One was so like, well, this treaty says that if they attack you, we gotta go. You know, like it was just a different thing. But anyways, but people were upset with her. It did ding her popularity for a little bit of a time. But you know, for her, really, it was more. It wasn't about that war. She just hated all war. She just was someone that was like, no, the only way or that we can we can solve these things is with talking. You know, we don't need to go to war. Um, but basically, it led to her being the first American woman to receive the Nobel Peace Prize in 1931. Okay, so this last part is a little bit more personal and is a matter of debate among historians, people. Some of it is. Some of it is. I mean, some of these things are facts. It's just how you interpret those facts, I guess. One, one word of what you're going to say is debatable. Yes. <laughs> but an important word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jane Adams was romantically tied with only two partners. That's the word. That's the word, the romantically part. Yeah. So again, we're just, you know, I, I we are 2019 and we're going we're going forward and we'll interpret this in maybe a way that they wouldn't have back then. Yeah. I don't know. Uh but she was uh, uh linked with Ellen Starr who we remember was who she went with originally to London and all of that. Yes. Um and then later Mary Rosette Smith which actually would have um would have not been a part of history if not related to Jane Adams. We we actually forgot all about Mary Smith and mm. she was a major contributor if not the biggest contributor to Hull House. Yeah, she was doing a lot of the work while Jane was going off and... Giving speeches and stuff. Yeah, doing all her stuff, yeah. So Mary Smith and Adams lived their life basically kind of as if they were married, right? Well, they said. They said. They said that they're... Yeah, Yeah. I mean, how you interpret that again, you know. Uh, They remained together until Mary died in 1934. Jane called her dearest one. It was said that Mary Mary Smith became and always remained the highest and clearest note in the music that was Jane Adams' personal life. It's very sweet. Uh, Early in 1934, Jane had a heart attack and Smith nursed her at home, neglecting her own illness. Um, So Smith uh, succumbed to pneumonia, fell into a coma, and died on February 22nd, 1934. Wow, so she put herself... You know, she she helped Jane to the detriment of herself. Yes. So um, I thought uh, it'd be uh, appropriate to uh, read a poem that Jane Addams wrote to Mary Smith. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, I like poetry. All right. One day I came into Hull House. No spirit whispered who was there. And in the kindergarten room, there sat upon a childish chair, a girl both tall and fair to see. To look at her gives one a thrill. But all I thought was, would she be best fitted to lead club or drill? You see, I had forgotten love and only thought of Hull House then. That is the way with women folks when they attempt things of men. They grow intense and love the thing which claims from them a smile or tear. Like mothers who work long and late to rear their children fittingly, follow them only with their eyes, and love them almost pityingly. So I was blind and deaf those years, to all save one absorbing care, and did not guess what now I know, delivering love was sitting there. Ah, that was very touching. Yeah. And that was written by Jane Addams? Written by Jane Jane Addams. Wow. Yeah. She died on May 21st, 1935, at the age of 74, of cancer. Oh, so that was like a year after? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, when she died, she was the best-known pub- female public figure in the United States. Hull House and the peace movement are widely recognized as the key tangible remnants pillars of her legacy. Uh, December 10th, as you mentioned, is Jane Addams Day and celebrated in Chicago. There's a park located near Navy Pier in Chicago named after her, as well as an entire tollway. It is yeah. the Jane Addams Memorial Tollway. Yeah, that was more recent. Right? That was pretty recent, I think. Wasn't it the Ronald Reagan? Is that the Reagan one? It, it's 88, right? It's 88, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Mondo? Mondo. Our Chicago guy? <laughs> you know, I, I just... I'm getting at a point where I just tune it out when I hear it on the radio <laughs> oh, okay. every morning. I know, I'm driving it. They're like the chain Adams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. You're just like, well, and it's so weird because it could be like the same road, but they call it different names yeah. right. and different sections. Yeah, and, and Chicago you know, can be really I, confusing. I, yeah, I still, I'm, I'm just that person that likes to go by what I know, the numbers. It's That's not what the I Stevenson. Go by. It's yeah. the 55. Yeah. It's not the Eisenhower. It's the 290. Yeah. You know, yeah. even and I do the same thing with all of our trains here in Chicago too. We have the red line, the orange line, the green line. Well, they used to be the Howard line, the Ravenswood. I still think that way. I don't think that way. I think of them as the red I line. I do think of them as the line. color, yeah. 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 I, it's yeah. What Just, do you think of Ogilvy? Uh do you think it's still what was the it metro called? Station? Northwestern. <laughs> Northwestern station or something. No, I've only actually I have known switched, that. I've switched so. it to Ogilvy, yeah. Yeah, okay. But sorry. All right, all right, moving on. Oh, jeez. Okay. So, Pat, <laughs> we are finally onto the one of the biggest stories and the reason that people associate this with haunting. Yeah, it's a shame that we <laughs> that we take all of this greatness and people, when you say Hull House, this is the story that they bring up. Yep, pretty much. So there's it's one more bit of history that we should talk about when we talk about Hull House, and that's the Devil Baby. Devil Baby. <laughs> the Devil Baby Ooh, we legend. Need a song for the Devil Baby. Oh yeah. Oh, all right. Anyways, I don't have a song, but I don't have a song either. Thanks for giving me time to think of this. Sorry. <laughs> Devil baby. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Rob Zombie tune. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So the Devil Baby legend was a local story that immigrants and deeply religious people, especially Catholics, started to tell. It was in 1913, and a Catholic woman married an atheist. <gasps> yeah, right? <laughs> the man refused to have a picture of the Virgin Mary on his wall, saying that he would rather have the devil in his house than a picture of the Virgin Mary. That can be arranged. Ooh. And there's various things people say that he ripped up the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Other people said he just was like, nah, I'm good. I don't want that here. <laughs> uh, the baby was born with cloven hoofs, pointed ears, and a tail. It spoke in profanity as soon as it was born. <laughs> so the baby comes out and it's like, well, I can't, we can't yeah, swear we can't on our swear, podcast, yeah. but yeah. So as soon as he was born, he ran around the table shaking his finger at his father. <laughs> and some stories say that the baby snatched a cigar from his father's lips. The father soon caught him and took him to Whole House. Supposedly, Jane Adams kept him in the attic and denied his existence to anyone that came to the house. Some stories say that Jane Adams baptized the baby, and other stories say that when they tried to baptize him, he ran away. As a baby. And as a baby, and was never seen again. 
And there are stories about where this devil baby went to. Oh, too. Yeah. I That it was see. someplace in Bridgeport. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> really, I'm serious. That's, yeah. what, that's what it was. And he grew up and then later yeah. had a dance on, in a ballroom and jumped out of a window. Yes, yeah. Wow. That's what? a crazy story, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> After five weeks of people talking about it, the newspaper finally did an article on it. They didn't take it serious until they just kept talking about it for five weeks. This story might have influenced the Italian bride story that we told in episode two of Ghostly. If you oh. haven't listened to that, we reference Devil Baby. Yeah, we do. And it's honestly one of our favorite episodes. I enjoy that one. It was so, the research was weird. And yeah, all I have to say is corpse cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Go check it out. That was your, that was your, <laughs> your saying. Uh, I will say, though, that Jane Addams and everyone at Hull House refused the, this claim that there was a devil baby, but they received a lot of visitors over years. Oh, yeah. People just show up. And phone calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And demand, like, show me the devil baby. Yeah. So there was a great article that was written in The Atlantic in October 1916 that we will link to in our show notes all about the devil baby. So where do we stand on the devil baby? Do you are you a believer, Mondo? I'd like to see the devil baby. I mean, it, you know, it just it's interesting. I would have been one of those people that knocked on their door. <laughs> you would have? <laughs> yeah. Show me the baby. I heard wow. you had a baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, so I mean seeing's believing, of course, but But just you know, but just hearing this, do you think it's possible? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, completely. Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay, wow. Rebecca, where do you uh, stand on the devil baby? I do baby? not necessarily <laughs> believe in this one. Um, wow. Do I think that there could have been a baby born that maybe had some deformity or yes. something, and then like the midwife or the nurse that was in the room like went home and was like, "Oh, there was," you know, and like started telling stories, and then those got changed and whatever. But I, no, I do not believe this just because it's too it's too out there and it's too folktale-y like yeah. there's just not enough based in especially in reality. Steal, stealing the cigar stealing and running the cigar, around the table swearing, talking swearing running away yeah. like yeah. like i do th- i think if the devil was born as a baby it would like his his goal would be to be raised as a regular baby so mm. that we didn't know that it was the devil kind of like damien kind of like damien all right, so uh, my mother was a histologist, and she worked with a pathologist. So my mother would make slides for the pathologist to to look over and stuff. You know, whenever mm-hmm. whenever they would do like a dissection or anything like that, or like a biopsy or something, mm-hmm. she would make slides of that. And so, growing up, I asked her one day. I said, "What was the what was the weirdest thing you ever saw?" And she talked about a frog baby. Whoa. Mm-hmm. A baby that looked like a frog. Whoa. Yeah. So there could be a devil baby, but it's not the devil. It's a deformity. Wow. Mm. Did the baby live? No. Oh. Sorry. Wow. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pat. Frog, frog babies are not meant to oh. walk around this earth. Okay. Maybe it looked like baby Yoda a little. Uh, no. <laughs> baby Yoda's cute. Yeah, Mondo, if you've seen. I have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's awesome. Have you watched the show? Yeah, it's a little three finger force thing. Yes, (laughs) but I was Mando, Mondo. There you go. Yeah, because he was in the last episode. They kept calling him Mando. Yeah, right. That's what they call him. I I thought of you. 
Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so, so there's a reason that we included Devil Baby in the history, yeah, and not the ghost debate Story. part. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't think it's true. No, except for Mondo. Maybe <laughs> Mondo can keep on believing about the Devil Baby that went to Bridgeport. Yeah. the connections there now i understand so i mean once you mentioned that it was like you know blew my mind i couldn't believe it (laughs) jody was the one that told me about that yeah yeah so anyways uh after jane adams died whole house kept going until it was displaced by the urban branch campus of the university of illinois in 1960 yep so let's all blame u of i yeah. As a as a DePaul graduate, I say we blame <laughs> U of I for the. Uh, <laughs> sure. Even after that, the social service center role was performed throughout the city at various locations under an umbrella association, the Jane Adams Whole House Association, until 2012. So Rebecca, you said you saw one by DePaul, right? Yeah, no. When I there's in the Lincoln Park somewhere, I swear I remember walking by something and it was it said you know Jane Adams Whole House, and mm-hmm. I, so I just assumed that was the that was it. That was the one location. <laughs> that was my not not understanding yeah. um, as a as a college student, but um, yeah. So today, though, where yeah. we stand. So today, Whole House is a museum to Jane Adams, and although the work that she did is not being continued. It still inspires many people to do great things. It is located on the UIC campus. They have classes there every once in a while. Really? They have lectures there. Wow. It's more lectures than anything else, especially lectures that have to do with uh, women's history. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I watched a video of um, by the Chicago Lab where they went to a um, Mandela um, speech or something like that there. Mandela wasn't there, but it was an author of a book okay. that wrote about it and got to see inside in the lecture hall where the kindergarten was and stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's where we're at with the history. Whoa. Wow. So we need a break. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll be back in a minute. Okay. Hey, Pat, fall is in the air. Ooh, yeah, it is. Yeah, and that means cooler weather, football, Football. and of course, shopping. Shopping? Yeah, back to school shopping, starting college shopping. I got a new job shopping, new season shopping. I just like shopping, shopping. Okay, okay, I get it. Change means time to get some new stuff. And I bet our listeners would like some ghostly gear. Oh, yeah. Great idea. What kind of gear are we talking about? I don't know. How about some ghostly t-shirts and sweatshirts? Yeah. And not just ones with the ghostly logo, because those those are really cool. But uh, how about also hashtag Team Believer to really show our team colors? Um, and hashtag Team Skeptic, of course. Mm. So we've got men's and women's styles and even kid and baby sizes. So cute. It is very cute. And I also added a phone case and a water bottle. Nice. (laughs) Where can our listeners get all this great ghostly gear? Mm, That's pretty easy. If you want to get ghostly gear, just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on merchandise up at the top. Perfect. Go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on merchandise to get your great ghostly gear. Whole house in the middle of the street. Whole house. It is owned by UIC. 
All right, we're back. <laughs> All right. Ready to do this? Uh, yeah. So uh, now for something completely different. <laughs> it's time to talk about ghosts on oh. Ghostly. Ghost on Ghostly. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the history has given us a good foundation. I think we needed that. Yeah. It's an important history. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Uh, and, and, and I learned a lot from I'm it, almost so. ashamed that we have to bring up ghost stories about such a lovely place. <laughs> well, Jane Adams, herself, Jane Adams herself talked about at least one of these ghosts. It was the tuberculosis in her spine. What? That Be made nice. her see ghost. When they talk about I, I've never heard tuberculosis of the spine. So it just made me think, I mean, it was tuberculosis a person or something? Is that where that came from? And then, you know, he discovered these different things. I don't know the history of tuberculosis. And, I mean, tuberculosis is a disease of the lungs usually, right. but this time it manifested in the spine and it's called something else because of that. It really doesn't have many of the same similarities, yeah. so I don't even know why so, they would say that. I've say never like, heard of that kind of thing before. What if you, you're walking with a limp, and it's like, oh, you got tuberculosis in the knee? Yeah. You know. I don't know. I think I've had tuberculosis of the brain a couple of times, <laughs> and it's caused my brain to cough and not be able to debate properly. Okay. Interesting. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about some ghosts. Let's talk about some ghosts. Now, first of all, so we, we did talk about the devil baby, but just is there anything else we want to bring up about the devil baby if we kind of discounted that? I've discounted it okay. a long time ago. <laughs> we only have I one mean, person here that has a belief in the devil well, baby. Well, it's the most yeah. famous paranormal story. I don't even think hmm. it's really a ghost story. It's more kind of a paranormal devil story. It's more like a Bob after dark topic. Uh, yeah, that's true. All right, Bob. Get on that. <laughs> yeah, Bob. Talk about <laughs> devil baby, Bob. Yeah. Well, after our discussion, would we give a number to the devil baby? Let's, yes. let's do our ghostly ranking. All right. You want to uh, go first? It was zero to 10. You zero to 10. No, you, uh, you go first. You always go first. Oh, I do? Yeah. Zero. Okay. <laughs> zero. <laughs> zero percent that the devil manifested in a baby took a cigar from this guy's <laughs> lips, started running around the table, swearing at him Little and pointing rest. his finger at him. How was he holding the cigar if he was pointing his finger at him? I, there's a couple different versions of the story. Yeah. Uh, there's also a story for Jewish people of the devil baby. At Whole House. At Whole House. So yeah, that's they, another reason why. Whenever there's multiple stories for different people, there's no, there's no truth to it. All right. Zero. Zero for Pat. Uh, Mondo, no, how about no, no. you? Rebecca, why don't you? No. Oh, all right. All right. I'll go. I would, I'm going to give it a zero. What? Yeah, wow. I am. I'm also well, going to give it a zero. the first zero you've ever given. It is. It Welcome is. to the club. Yeah, well, just this once. Is it because uh, of the clown it. motel I've converted you no, over now? No, no. Uh, but this one, it just does seem really far-fetched yeah. and... Uh, not not real. Uh, after you read the Atlantic article where they just talk about all the phone calls and the um, the people stopping by, and it was just kind of this weird cultural thing that people globbed onto. And even I Jane just... Adams denied it. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and she also talked about, as I'm going to talk about in a moment here, other ghosts that she saw. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like she didn't believe in paranormal things. So hey, you know, if if there was it, I think she would have said something. All right, what are your what's your ranking? Zero to ten. Well, um, is, you know, I grew up in Bridgeport, and we had the story of the guy that jumped out the ballroom that had 
hoofs on the, uh, for feet mm-hmm. and landed uh, in the concrete, and he ran off too. So, of course, they always run off. You know, everybody from Bridgeport knows that story, and yeah. you just solved the mystery, man. <laughs> it you wasn't did. me, it was Jody. Jody well, no, Jody's you, you made the connection me. between the adult. It, the baby came from Jody you know, told me house. that the baby went to Bridgeport. Whoa. Yeah, so Jody did it. You can blame Jody. Props to Jody. Uh, He's a fellow Bridgeporter. (laughs) And yeah. And a Raiders fan. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, so. Would you give it a two? I'm going to give it a 10. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot of people I talked mean, about it, you know, and maybe it was just a deformed baby. I, I don't know. I heard from old people, not just Jody. <laughs> I I first heard the story from somebody that lived two doors down from the ballroom, and th- she believed it. You know, she was maybe in her seventies, and she okay. told me that. And wow. I'm, th- I are you kidding? But okay, is there let me, the let me, ballroom hold story? On. Let me, let well, me. That that's the grown up version of the it, it just makes so much sense now it started over there it's just two <laughs> neighborhoods over the little kid ran off screaming pointing his finger with a cigar and i mean he ended up two neighborhoods over where he probably maybe he lived in one of those shacks not far yeah. away maybe under the bridge in bridgeport and one day he found a suit got a suit went to the ballroom had a dance <laughs> jumped out the window yeah you know now Okay. It all makes sense. See, what you are rating this on is based upon the idea that there could be a hoofed person. But is that person the devil? Oh. Is the devil... Is it did paranormal? The devil, did the devil become a baby and do all these things? I guess not. So where would you stand on that with ratings? Zero to ten. It'd be different if there was an old man story. You know, there was an old man with hoofs. <laughs> Baby, <you know>? middle-aged, <laughs> yeah. old man. You know, we could kind of follow it, but... Uh, you yeah, know, in but Market no. Park area. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, So I guess it... Sorry, everyone out there. It was... I guess it wasn't the devil. It was just some little brat that had deformed feet. That <laughs> <laughs> so where would you give the devil? The baby? devil. I guess a zero. A yeah. zero, too. So you All went from right. a 10 to a zero just on the idea of what we are talking about. And that's right. a lot of times what this is, is mm. we're talking about two different things sometimes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's get into some of the real ghost stories. The ones that... The fake ones, yeah. No, the real ones that you'll hear when you go on a ghost tour and visit Whole House, which is something we did. Okay. So our favorite... Oh, props to Tony. Oh, props to Tony Zabolowski for yeah. being an amazing tour guide and telling us so much awesome information. And as it's always. for Chicago hauntings, right? Chicago hauntings tour. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So the devil, uh, the devil baby. No, the uh, the whole house has mm. its own woman in white. Oh no. Ooh. As, no, no, no. As we know, you've got to have a woman back. in white. She's mm. back. Uh, it's a second floor ghost. Uh, so this is it's the second floor ghost. Yep, she's on the second floor for the most part. But I'm just saying we're now classifying them as first floor ghost <laughs> and second floor ghost. Well, she haunts the second floor. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing: uh, people uh, claim that it is the wife of the late wife of Charles Hull. Okay. So. They, so I was reading Charles when he he built the house, moved into the house, whatever it was, um, with his wife. She died after just a few years of them being in the house mm. with two small children, okay. and then that's when the cousin started coming and helping out and all of that. Um, so she did die in the home, and uh, p- people claim to see her. 
you know, uh, throughout the time um, of the house uh, and maybe even still. Um, She haunts the main bedroom in the northeast corner, but there's some stories kind of of the attic or just different places around kind of the upper upper floor. Um, The previous tenants of the house before Adams rented it said that they saw the spirit. So it was a couple different things. Um, It was like an elderly home for the elderly and they had furniture and stuff. And there was just different. It was just a couple different things in the little bit of time before she rented it. Um, But they were the ones, the previous tenants that put the pitcher of water out. The only thing I have with that um, is they talk about it being something about running water, but a pitcher isn't really running water. So anyways, um, but that, that is a real thing. Um, And Adams actually originally slept in the room where Mrs. Hull died and where her spirit allegedly was. Um, While she was there, Adams did claim to see Mrs. Hull a few times, uh, but she figured she really didn't think she meant any harm. She was a woman who had lost her life, didn't get to raise her babies, just, you know, haunted the place. Um, Despite all of that, (laughs) she did decide to move to another room um, and uh, they didn't close off the room, though, right away. They did have guests stay there. Um, Mrs. Louise Bowen was a lifelong friend of Jane Adams, and she stayed there, uh, allegedly saw this ghost. Um, Cannon Barnett, sorry, I just found this one this morning, and his wife supposedly also saw that when they were staying there. Um, So, and Jane and Mary Smith themselves, as I mentioned, uh, claim to have seen a woman in white glide away, pass through a locked door. Um, There's a lot of sightings of this woman in white, basically. Kids that were there thought they saw her. uh, And she mentions this in her book, The 20 Years. The one you didn't read. The one that I didn't read, but But I read a thing. I put put it on my Christmas list, but supposedly in her book, she mentions these ghost stories. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, what do you guys think? Well, I'm going to let Mondo go first. Yeah. He's the guest. Well, it seems like a lot of people saw the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for them to put a pitcher of water out there, you know, was, and that was because of something that they believed. I mean, you know, they did that for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and it, I guess it's documented that they put the water, the pitcher of water out there. So, I mean, aside from that, why would you just do that? Right. You know, so it's not like it... it you know, but there, there's little kids that saw it. There's, you know, older people that saw it. So, yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm going to say, first of all, the picture of water is because people believe that ghosts cannot go through water, mm. which would debunk a lot of our previous stories like the Peshtigo fire and mm. stuff like that. I mean, these people died in the <laughs> in the lake. And the ghost somehow got up there, right? They came from the person, so they had to go through the lake. So, But that's a belief that there was. Uh, I believe that this is founded in superstition. And I believe that it was superstition. They they heard that someone had died in the house. So they did that just for superstition. And because of that superstition, because of that pitcher of water, it then con- it made everybody see or think that they saw something, or expect to see something. And when anything happens, it could be um, the lighting was really bad. We were one of the first cities to have lights, uh, electric lights, in um, 
you know, we did that in 1893. So this is 1889 when Jane Addams moved in there. There was not electricity in there, and there probably wasn't for many, many years. So this is all being lit by candlelight and oil lamps. Gaslighting. Gaslighting, yeah. Was the precursor. Yeah. So it could be gas. Could be gas. Could be. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you guys are laughing, but the idea is that it could be something else. And the idea of ghost is that you have to prove that there is ghost. I don't have to prove that there isn't ghost. I don't the have burden to of prove. proof the burden of proof lies upon the supernatural, not on the natural. Okay. Well, again, our proof is that many people reported similar things over the years. Um, I will also state, and I, I again uh, found this. I had heard, I read this, and then I forgot about it. Mrs. Bowen, um, who saw the ghost, also claimed that on three separate occasions she had to put up fires upstairs that started with no known origins, singed nothing, and would just go out by themselves. No known origin except for oil, gas, or candle light, but not singeing anything. Like so, that Jane eventually just turned this into a storage room. Yeah. And a dressing room for the theater later on. You know, I just think... too many people were complaining. I just think, here's the thing. We do have a lot of people that uh, supposedly saw this, but there were a lot of people over the years that lived at Whole House. Mm. A lot more than just five or six people. So to say that a lot of people, if you put it into perspective, if this was in a normal house, that would be a lot of people because it would be most people saw it. In this particular thing, we're talking about a very small percentage of people that would have seen this ghost. Well, I actually, I don't know that. I mean, that's just what I found, but I don't necessarily know how many people. I believe, Again, I got to read the book. I believe it starts from superstition and it carries through from that. And any little thing that happens would be attributed to this. Okay. And they all have heard the stories of the person before. Okay. Well, I'm an, I have another thought, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for final arguments. Okay, save it. All right. Save it if you want. Jeez. All right. Okay. So then um, another thing that we heard about on our tour, and I, I didn't find a whole lot about this. I'm going to be honest. This will be short. Um, there's the Fountain Girls. There's a small park with a fountain that's just outside of the house where supposedly the girls, uh, sorry, the spirits of three girls play. You can hear their laughter and feel a cool breeze when they run by you. Apparently, they used to play chase around the fountain and continue playing it to this day. Again, I only found a couple references to this, but I do remember them talking about it. I have a picture of the fountain area um, that I took on the tour. Um, I don't know. Do you remember hearing anything about this or Mondo or? No, no. uh, feel anything when you were there no anything happened nope yeah and i walked around it i walked around the house basically you could go all the way around it but uh i didn't get any sense or feel for anything mm-hmm. you know in I'm, no orbs or anything not i know how much you like the orbs so not there not there okay no. Well, it's tricky because you we couldn't go in the house. Right. So like I have pictures and they look like there's things in them, but there's not because it's going through you could only look through a window. Yeah. So I can't say that there's anything in there from my pictures. But there's other pictures. Okay. That I'll put on the thing. Is there any pictures of the three girls? No. Not that I could find. Any video of the three girls? Not that I could find. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That just seems kind of suspicious there then. Right. There's all these stories about the three girls that play at the fountain. Right. But we have no proof of the three girls that play at the fountain. Right. Now, did you you said you had a story about fountain girls or did you not want to tell the story of the fountain girls? Oh my god, you don't want me to tell that story. No, we don't have to tell the story. That's fine. You just you met some girls at a fountain once. We'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah, while under the influence. <laughs> now, uh, I just remembered, we didn't. do we want to do ra- ra- rankings for yes. the woman in white? And yeah. then we'll do the fountain girls, and then I've got one more. Woman in white, I'm going to give it a one. Okay, woman in white is a one for Pat. Yep. Uh, for Mondo, do you want to go next? you want me to go next? Sure. I'll say... I'll say a five because lots of people saw it and they put a you know an object there you know the water to. But a five would mean that you have a lot of doubt still about it. So where where does your doubt come from in this? What is your what is your questioning? Uh, okay. I'm just asking. I'll, I'll move it up asking. then. No, to no, no, like don't. an eight. I'm no, because I, I have less doubt and more belief. I'm not trying to influence your your number. I just want to know your I like feelings. that your attempt to, to <laughs> get him to be more doubtful has just increased his belief. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> All right, so I also... You were supposed to... Eight. You were, de- you were supposed it. to destroy them, not join them. <laughs> Star Wars quote. Yes, thank you. Yeah. We, yes, uh, doing a rewatch right now, getting yeah. ready. Uh, I am uh, also giving it an eight. For the an woman eight. in white. Wow, yes. that's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Now, how about the fountain girls then? Uh, zero. Zero for Pat, Mondo. Well, okay, wait, hold right. on. Zero that they are ghost. Okay. Playing in the fountain. Gotcha. Okay. They might have overheard little girls playing in the fountain or mm-hmm. something like that, but they were not ghost. Okay. Uh, I'm going to also give it a zero. I didn't <laughs> feel anything. I haven't heard anything myself, you mm-hmm. know, about that, so... Um, it's not like some, okay, the, why would it, that have left an impression that the three girls were running around the fountain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was so, you Special know. Special about that? Yeah, that it would have left some type of an impression. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to say they, they didn't see anything. They just heard the laughter and they felt the cold breeze. I'm going to give it a three. Just give a little bit of something to maybe some people saw some stuff there. Whether it was little girls, I don't know, but there's obviously a reason you said it's out there. heard, not not seen right well yeah so how do they know it's three girls too well i don't know maybe there were three girls they used to like to play there or something i, I yeah don't know. but you can't go back and say like there were three girls that used to play here i i hear voices now those are the three girls you can't do that because you're actually you're you're jading your own your own experiment there. i don't know all right okay so the last one um is this one i definitely remember hearing um, there is a photo, um, but I, I haven't found a good version of it, and it, it's kind of. Uh, but I will put it out on our, our show notes. Um, there is a ghost of a male mm-hmm. that appears on the stairs. Also, sometimes you can see from the window, um, and actually, it's a has a monk like appearance. So yes. it looks mm-hmm. like a monk. Yes. Um, but they people see him slowly moving up the main stairs from the foyer to the second floor where maybe he meets the lady in white. I don't know. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but mm. they basically people claim also to see the chandelier move for no apparent reason. All right. You want to go next? Uh, about the monk? Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe that is the impression that was left of the guy that brought I won't say devil, but brought the baby up the <laughs> stairs. Maybe he was a monk. He was an atheist. Well, that, man, that, that was really Southside sounding. <laughs> he was an atheist, man. He's a... <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's what. It, that's exactly who it was. That was the guy in the robe that brought the baby. He didn't want anybody else to see it. So, 
That's right. that's what it is. Well, given that I don't <laughs> believe the devil baby was there, I don't. I didn't say devil. I don't believe it was. I don't believe that a baby with hooves was dropped off there mm. either, um, because Jane Adams and all the rest of the people there denied it, and they were answering phones for months afterwards, <laughs> answering the phone, going, "There is no devil baby. There is no devil baby." Right. I would say the same thing. I mean, people are knocking on the door and you just want them to go away. Why you got... wouldn't you call out the news and be like, hey, I have this devil baby here. I'd like to introduce him to you guys. He ran away. <laughs> While they tried to baptize him. I wouldn't even have tried to baptize a devil baby. All right. So as far as this goes, I have seen the picture of the man. It It is an outline picture, right? Yes. Yep, that's a, actually, I've seen a better picture than that. Oh, okay. Than the one that you're showing me right now. Uh, it is an outline distorted picture it has no center in it it just is an outline i can see hands okay but maybe it's the outline of the hands that you're seeing and not necessarily the hands can you see like wrinkles on the fingers no because it's a ghost okay but i'm just saying it's an outline (laughs) picture no it doesn't look like an outline picture it looks like a like you can see a figure okay well uh yeah you could see a form of a figure yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You don't see anything in the center. You don't see eyes. You don't see a I nose. I can see like a face-ish Well, I haven't thing. looked at your picture much. I'm talking okay. about the picture that I've seen. Okay. Um, and from what what I, my first impression of it was it looked really cool. It was standing at the base of the stairs. Mm-hmm. I never saw it anywhere on the stairs in any of the pictures or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it's movement, I, I would question. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I'm thinking it's just some kind of um, effect of the camera uh, or the lighting that's there. Now, the chandelier moving, that's kind of typical of an old house like that. It's going to creak. It's going to move. Things are going to settle. It's going to happen like that. Chandeliers can move. They can. They're not bolted down on all sides, so it's not that weird. They're a dangling piece that if any weight was to, if, if anything touched the bottom of the chandelier, it moves the whole chandelier. It doesn't take much force to do that. So it could be the wind. It could be anything. But if people don't feel, it's not like they, they're they saying like we didn't feel gusts of wind or any reason. And it's I'm sure this is not just our little chandelier in our house. Like, yeah, he did that. Oh, I did that to prove a point. I barely touched this chandelier oh, sorry, and I it's totally moving. I should have let you believe <laughs> the chandelier was actually moving right now. Um, <laughs> I looked down at my phone and then I looked up and the chandelier was moving. That was That's awesome. what happens when you don't pay attention. <laughs> but no, but this is like a again, big, heavy again, chandelier in this big mansion. Again, maybe it was a situation like Mondo. Maybe they weren't paying attention and mm. all of a sudden they look up and it's moving, but they didn't see me there pushing it. <laughs> I'm just saying that just because that there is this outline of a of a figure doesn't mean that there's a figure there. It could be a, it could be an overexposure of the camera. It could be uh, like a duping kind of thing. And although I've seen several pictures of it, it, it makes me think that maybe there's a lighting thing. It's always in the same spot that I've seen in the pictures. But people have also just seen the figure like walking up the stairs. I mean, it's I mean this happened to be a they got a photo of it but there it, there's been other sightings of this but you're acting like just because someone said something it's fact you don't take all that i say is fact everything nope. that i'm saying is is debunking <laughs> these I facts don't... but you don't believe it just because i said it you believe everything that you hear other people say about something supernatural but you don't see it it's their word 
but they, they a, said that they saw but it. there's a confluence of evidence i mean again if it's several different people saw something hey don't use those fancy words <laughs> with me okay and you know you know so it's like like security guards would see the figure of the monk in the window or you know different people so it's not like it's just one time and i'm just not i'm just totally believing one person and what they saw what Several I people. what I believe is there's, there's not enough evidence to say that this is a ghost or that this is a figure that's moving around. I'm saying that it could be because they took the pictures through the window. It could be because lighting was at the bottom of the stairs there because every picture that I have seen is from that exact spot. Well, I think it's just the one picture. No, there is a there is a picture in color. Well, someone might have colorized it. We'll see. And I'll have to look at that. I'll have to look for the color version. Yeah. But I will definitely put these up. Mondo, what are you thinking? Well, as far as number. Oh, right? well, or he hasn't oh. really said too much he about did, the yeah. Mark, did he? You didn't you? No. The number? No, no, no. no. Go ahead. Oh. What do you have um, to say? Well, I'm going to say something that goes against the uh, believer's side just to fill people in because I was there and I looked in the windows. Um, the windows were hazy. Yeah. So I could easily see how a photo uh, that somebody's taking from the outside through the glass um, would easily get a reflection. And it looks like this picture was taking from the other side of the door, too, because those stairs are stairs you could see right when you're looking in the door, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So for me, that's the same perspective as right. what I'm seeing in that picture. Yeah, they could have gotten a doorway a picture, picture themselves. Yeah. And that where you just see, you know, they're kind of outline yeah and it looks then it looks as if it's superimposed yeah that's well this photo is from 1980 there Um, were still windows in 1980 i know but i actually i don't know this is from a pretty famous dale kasmeric he's a pretty famous ghost hunter in chicago we've referenced some of his stuff before uh i would just imagine to me this this particular photo doesn't look like it's through the window there are others that definitely do and I would agree there's definitely, though they just look more hazy. Hazy. And yeah. not as good. Again, for me, it's not just based on the photo. I'm not just debating the photo. All right. Is it time for numbers? Well, actually, I would like to invite that photographer or that ghost hunter to come on the show and tell us what he saw. Okay. Because we have no perspective into what he saw, just a picture. Yeah, that's true. You and don't picture, know if it was zoomed in. You yeah, know, a picture. What we see on the picture paints a thousand words, but they're not all coming from the person that took the picture. True. We we make up our own interpretation of what a picture is, mm. right? And what goes on around the picture. Our brains automatically make make up these kind of things that happen. We make our own stories. Hey, it was an orb. <laughs> it was an orb. Oh, I saw. Absolutely, <laughs> it was an orb. And, <laughs> sure, it was. Man. Previous episode. Yeah. St. <laughs> Valentine's Day Massacre he's yes. talking about. Yes. At the site of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, Mondo took a picture <laughs> of a light inside one of his pictures that moved. Didn't just move. It zigzagged and yes, just kind of- it had kinda, motion. Yeah. Like purposeful motion. Yeah. But again, human-like motion. Like mm-hmm. like no, somebody was, was no, moving it. it coiled around and springed to the left. I didn't and see the coil around. The right. I didn't see that part. Yeah. Okay, well, you it is to, on our you YouTube channel. You need to look channel. at it again. It is on our YouTube channel if you want to check it out. Yes. <laughs> Forever. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, so what uh, what number are we going to give the uh, male apparition on the stairs monk figure? I'll give it a one. You're giving it a one. All right, we've stepped yeah, it up a little up bit. Moving zeros. up from zero. All right, what do you think, Mondo? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to discount uh, the per. You had a good point about the guy that took the picture, um, but 
I have my belief about the haze in the window, mm-hmm. but I will say that the clothing that it appears that the guy has on does not look like it's from the 80s. You know, it does look much older. So I'll give it a three. Okay. okay. And actually, supposedly there's even multiple figures. I only see one, but some people say they see more than one in that. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to give this one a six. Mm. Six. Okay. So not as high as the woman in white, um, but definitely still on the believer side. All right. Oh, okay. Well, What's, are we ready? Yeah, I think we should just do our closing arguments. Let's do this. It's time. All right. So, Rebecca, why don't you go first? Um, so, this brings us to our closing arguments. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time. We will time each other on our cell phones to keep each other honest. I will time you, Rebecca, if you would then time um, Mondo and me. I can do that. All right, let me get my timer up here. How you feeling about this? You feeling like you're going to win this one? Yes. What? Yes. Wow. Hmm. I was about to give you three minutes there. <laughs> All right, one minute. Are you ready? Yep. Go. I believe that Hull House is haunted, not by a devil baby, not by the little girls necessarily running around outside, but absolutely by a woman in white, Charles Hull's late wife, who died tragically while her children were very young. Several people have reported over the years, different people, people that didn't know each other. And one of those people was Jane Adams herself, right? Everyone that was a part of that house uh, saw this figure at some point or another. Jane made changes because of it and wrote about it in her book, as something that was true. So I think Jane was an amazing person. I think she had a good head on her shoulder. She went to college. She was educated. She dismissed the devil baby as a thing. And so if she believed that there was a ghost in that home and that she saw the ghost, then I believe there's a ghost in that home and that she saw the ghost. It's haunted. All right. That's your time. Man, I just need to, can we copy and paste what she said and just <laughs> just altered a voice a little so it sounds like mine everything except the devil baby <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right mondo you ready i'm ready all right okay. you're gonna time them you asked me to time them yes, so i'm ready okay mondo and make sure it's a tight minute okay because <laughs> he likes to go over oh okay all right are, are, are you ready, ready. <laughs> and Go. The only reason I go over is because I agree with everything that she said. So it's like, you know, <laughs> she said it all. But it's true. I mean, it's, uh, I, well, the way I feel is that uh, Jane Adams saw it. So, you know, I believe that uh, she wouldn't have made it up. And there, every resident of the house saw it. So they were putting the water there. Um, they, you know, there were, it, it was a place that, helped people. There were a lot of people that went there. So I think there's a very good chance. I mean, a lot of people went through there, a lot of chances for impressions to be left. And um, yeah, the devil baby, (laughs) he's real. (laughs) Maybe not the devil, but yeah, he's real. There's a basis for those stories. Yeah. And I don't believe about the girls running around. No, I don't believe that. All right. I don't think they left any impression whatsoever. Your minute has been over for like no, five minutes no, now. No, it just ended right now. But you interrupted him. <laughs> I so. did. I'm sorry. 
All right. All right. So are you ready? I've been Mr. born ready. Patrick. Mr. Patrick. Mr. Patrick O'Harrington. Are you? What? <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. That was <laughs> on your obituary. It's going to say. <laughs> Patrick O'Harrington. Patrick, Patrick O'Harrington has died ready. <laughs> ready. He was ready to die. Oh, man. He Sorry. was ready for anything. All right. And it's time to go now. So we have this old house, this old house that obviously has had a lot of good things happen in it, but people get creeped out by old stuff. People always believe that old stuff is haunted. They tried so hard to make this devil baby be the haunting of Hull House. It's not. Nothing is. It's an old house. The The issue that I have with it is that all of these things were taken at a time long ago. None of these stories are recent stories of, of this stuff happening inside Hull House of this woman in white. All, like None of these college kids that have gone there for lectures or for classes have said anything about that. And if they do, it's only because they researched it and heard that there was a possibility of it. And I am going to say Devil Baby is absolutely fake. Okay. Dang, just made it there. (laughs) All right. So, Mondo, I want to thank you so much for coming back on Ghostly. Oh, thanks for having me. Do you you want to sing your song one last time? No. (laughs) Devil Baby. (laughs) Yeah, and I I didn't mean to say it is a Rob Zombie song. (laughs) Let me correct that. I was saying I meant to say it should be sung like Rob Zombie. Oh, in the style of. Devil baby. (laughs) I was thinking of the whole house in the middle of the street, whole house. Around the corner where you could get a good Italian beef. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and there's corned beef on the other side. But I I did want to mention something. Mm. I forgot all about it. Mm. I forgot. I just Mm. remembered. You talked about flames that started and then went out. Do you realize that it's only a block and a half away from where the Chicago fire started. Oh, I wanted to mention that, and it was not touched at all right. by the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's one of the only, there's like three buildings mm. that, that were untouched by it. Yeah, and it was that close to it. Yeah, that's right. Man, the rankings just went up. The numbers. Right? <laughs> the number is up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do, we didn't really, did we give our overall haunt? We just do it for the individual stories, right? Well, we did do it for the individual, so do we need to do it for the overall? Uh, I think we're okay. okay. Well, or we can. All right, What what is your number, Rebecca? My number is seven. All right, Mondo. Okay, seven. I'll agree with you. Yeah, I mean, haunting. though the fire thing is almost pulling yeah. it up to an eight. Yeah, right? yeah, that, that changes everything. It I mean, really yeah. does. Okay. All right. For and me, it I, changes nothing, and I'm going to stay at like a one. Wow, that's pretty low for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. He wants to believe that everybody was uh, uh, overcome by the gas fumes, and that's what they saw. Yeah. The gas did. fumes from the they lighting. Did. They did, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so do you have anything going on that you'd like to talk about? No. 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 <laughs> He's got to stop working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a convention coming up this week for work and I've just got lots of work. It, it uh, becomes my busy season. So I'll be TV working. Any TV shows coming up that you're going to be on? Um, TV shows I'll be on? Uh, it, well, if you guys watch, you've seen the, the Star Wars, the new one. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you mentioned the Baby Yoda. You're a man. Well, I've heard that if I wore the suit, I could look like uh, Mando. Oh, yeah. Maybe you could. Yeah. Yeah, I would resemble him if I wore the suit, not just my name. (laughs) All right. Maybe that's a cosplay thing for you. Are you going to C2E2? 
I should be there. Yeah. We're going to be there. Yeah, we're going to be there. Oh. Ghostly will be at C2E2. Yeah, nice. so make your plans now, uh, end of February, early March. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening. Please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. And if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure not only to hit that subscribe button, but hit that little bell next to the subscribe button so you always get notified of new episodes. And remember, everything is free. Everything is free. So Nothing costs money. Just, yeah, you can listen anytime for free. Well, it costs me money, but uh, it doesn't well, cost them any money. Exactly. We'd love for you to rate and review us on Apple Podcast if you have the ability to do so. And you love Ghostly. Yeah, we love to hear what you think. And uh, yeah, if you've got that five-star rating for us. And if you give us a five-star rating from now on, we might even read it on the show. Ooh. Oh, yeah, and a, an actual review. Yeah, yeah, we might have a review section. Ooh, that would be new. So write that review. Uh, we are still figuring out what we're going to be doing for our Christmas episode, but that will be coming out on Christmas. Yeah, on Christmas Day. So Christmas Day. we're trying to think of something fun and Yeah, last last year Mondo came in and we told stories and everyone believed my story. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I won another poll. That yeah, one. that was so the last is... time. No. <laughs> <I think you've laughs> won like a couple it. since then. <laughs> it seems like it. All right, guys, until next time, stay ghostly. Bye.